Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. Good evening to everybody there, the other side of the camera. Welcome to this week's Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This is session 11, June the 23rd, 2021, and it's a series four. And it's really lovely that you've made the time to be with us. I'm delighted to be joined, and I should say my name's Sue MacDonald, and I'm the curator and the chair for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals. Um, and tonight I'm joined by two wonderful colleagues because we're going to be talking about pelvic floor health. It's a very important area for all of us. And I'm joined by Abby, well, I should say Abigail Holmes or Abby Holmes and Teresa Gernon. And it's my pleasure to welcome them here this evening and do what I always do to our speakers is put them on the spot to say, could you share a lovely special moment of the week with us? Shall I start with Teresa for your special moment of the week, Teresa? OK, well, it was a personal moment for me. So my I have a little dog. He's 11 and a half and I adore him. And he's been quite poorly over the last six weeks yeah he's had a problem with his ligament on his back leg but on Monday we got the all clear and I was able to actually take him for a proper walk on Monday oh. as in a proper two miler and wow he has been quite depressed I think actually because he hasn't I haven't been able to take him out and he doesn't really understand why and he would you know be obviously every day mom we're going for a walk and <laughs> like no just literally back garden so yeah Monday was a really nice day to take him out let him off the leads sniff away as much as he wanted to and yeah that was my moment of the week Fabulous. oh and obviously winning the football last night oh okay uh, I won't say anything about football this is not my area and I understand there's something going on practically every night that does with the football I have no um link there up is. with it at all it's a so, <laughs> so forgive me audience <laughs> uh thank you for that that's lovely and probably a very good good for you and your little dog going out for those absolutely. walks absolutely Excellent. fabulous thank you for that how about Abby your moment of the week um, so mine is kind of it's a link between professional and um personal I clicked the submission button on an application to become a pelvic health practitioner. Wow. So um, there's a lot more study coming my way, but um, hopefully uh, it will be of great service to the women that once I've qualified in all the new skills, I'm hoping to learn. Um, so it was a bit of a do I, don't I, do I really want to go back to university? But I, uh, <laughs> yes, I doing it in a staged approach. So um, I don't, oh, I'm not sure how long it's going to take me, but uh, Yes, it's just one more step to kind of further my knowledge within this area. Yeah, I understand studying can be a bit addictive, Abby. And I think <laughs> students out there will think never, never again. But I believe me, you will get addicted. <laughs> and Abby is a, a case in point. So thank you so much for that. And well done. That's fantastic. Fantastic for your women and, you know, their families and everything, but also for you. Superb. OK, we're going to just um, remind ourselves why we're here, not just to hear about pelvic health, which is very important. But remember that these whole sessions were designed in response to the COVID-19 to make sure that midwives, student midwives, doulas, um, women, uh, anyone who is interested in maternity services had access to information and kind of um, a link to each other and that's why we try to put, to have these weekly one-hour sessions to provide that link um, just to say they are accessible tonight and they'll be accessible after friday this this session will be accessible so tell all your friends but also of course you've got access to all the back 
issues of, of all the, the um, maternity hours and actually the festivals that we've done. And you just need to go to Matflix, who look after the, all the materials, to find what you want. Now, this is important if for any of you midwives looking at revalidation, or if you happen to be doing a little old course like Abby will be doing, um, or if you're a student doing a course and you need some up-to-date information and you need to see who's been saying what, this is where you need to go. So thank you to, to Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. Of course, you can also go to All For Maternity, um, which is run by Sheena and Anna Byram, which is also a fantastic um, resource for any of us that are trying to keep up to date. Because it is difficult when you've got the pressure of work at a time of pandemic and you're balancing a busy life as well to keep yourself really up to date and interested too. need to keep them all interested. So um, just a little bit of news. Um, we're still going with the vaccinations, which seem to be going very well. I understand from the, the sort of uh, update today that it's two thirds of adults in the UK or in England, maybe it might be just England, have had two jabs, which is excellent. Um, and of course, they're, they're, the rates of infection are going up a little bit, but it seems as though death rates have, have come right down and we must hope that stays the same. So big thank you to everyone within the NHS, keeping everything going, looking after us all and looking after people who are unwell. So big hugs and, and thanks to them. And also to the maternity service, because we just carry on providing care because women and um, women are still getting pregnant and babies are still arriving and still needing quality care. So thank you, everyone and all the key workers. I will say this, but I, we do mean it. Um, other things in the news, I'm just reminding you that the new NICE induction guidelines consultation closes, I think, on the 6th of July. Um, so don't forget to put your 10 penneth or two penneth in there if you want to comment on anything. It's quite easy to do and you don't have to write reams, you don't have to be highly technical, but it's important your voice is heard with these sort of things. I want to say a big happy birthday to Mummy Star. Now this is a, a charity that's now eight years old and this is a, a charity who supports women and families experiencing cancer during pregnancy and childbirth. And you can donate at the Mummy Star um, yeah, but the most important thing is knowing about it to refer women who have cancer so they have a, that support at a very difficult time. And there's also what was really nice, they have a little gift list you can donate to. And those are giving little things to women who are going through that. So it, that seems a really nice personal thing to be able to do. OK, other things, there's the new Global Midwives Hub. Now, I've put a lot of these things with the, friend, uh, the help of um, Teresa and Abby are on the resources list. So there's, a, there's this list for the Global Midwives Hub. So do check it out because it's full of really useful things. Um, and likewise, um, now, yesterday was uh, Windrush Day. And we do need to say a big celebration for the contribution of all those who came to the UK and stayed, thank goodness, who came via the Windrush for their contribution commitment to the, especially the NHS, but a lot of other parts of our um, our country. So, you know, a very important part of us. And today is the United, I have to read this out carefully, United Nations Public Service Day, and that's celebrating all of those who work in public service, which of course is the midwives and the nurses and the student midwives. So thank you, everyone. Also in the news, and I, th I think this is going to go an ongoing uh, story, really, and something we're going to carry on addressing within the maternity and midwifery hour and the festivals is the issue about mental health toll on nursing and midwifery, midwifery professionals from COVID, which is, uh, as many of you will be aware, is ongoing. And we need to kind of address that. Um, and also, very fittingly, it's National Incontinence Week this week. So this is very, very perfect. So this evening, we're looking at pelvic health and we're looking at pelvic floors particularly, we've all got them, and how we should look after them and changes that are underway and coming up in, in within the NHS to improve care for women, um, especially with issues such as incontinence. We want to prevent incontinence, but manage it when it happens. 
and and I know I've got I've got two very strong and very informed women who have joined us here. So we've got um, we'll start with Abby Holmes. Um, I'm delighted to introduce. She's been a midwife since 2001. She's now a consultant midwife at Cardiff and Vale University Health Board. And she's engaged as consultant midwives often are in clinical leadership and in research. She's passionate about care of women during pregnancy, childbirth and postnatal period, and in particular in their pelvic floor health. And she's also a personal trainer. She's also an expert witness and an author in the upcoming May's Midwifery. So welcome, Abby. Thank you very much for coming to be with us. And the screen is now yours. Yeah, great. So um, as Sue has just said, I'm Abby Holmes and I'm one of the consultant midwives that works at Cardiff and Vale University Health Board. And I have an absolute passion for pelvic floor health and pelvic health. And I usually give presentations like this, which some of you might have seen, of me bouncing around on a stage and getting you all to participate in pelvic floor exercises. So I am going to do my best to recreate that for you here and now virtually. So um, there are some videos to um, entertain you whilst we do this. So a little bit of background about myself. First of all, I'm a mother. I'm a mum of two beautiful girls who you can see on my screen there. I'm a consultant midwife and midwifery has been my passion for such a long time now, coming to uh, just gone by my 20 year anniversary. Um, sadly, COVID present, prevented my reunion, but hopefully that will happen soon. And then if you can see in these bottom images, I spend some of my time with pregnant ladies, encouraging them to be healthy and active during their pregnancies and um, guiding them through safe activities in pregnancy. And the way I've kind of built up my catalogue of knowledge is by working with the Royal College of Midwives. We've got the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology who publish our guidance on how women should be exercising in pregnancy and in the postpartum period. We've also got the ACOG, who, uh, which is the American Society, which was slightly more advanced, were head of the uh, British Royal College. And then I also um, have some connections with the Mazik charity. And I don't know if any of you watching have even heard of one of their ladies that accesses their, ch their charity, tell you their story. Well, that is what one of the things that got me hooked onto caring for ladies that have these pelvic floor traumas, because they are life changing um, disorders that seem to have become almost mainstream and accepted. So, um, which isn't acceptable, and I will be talking a little bit more about it. Oh, sorry, there's some children just arrived home. I do apologise. That will happen in a second. So if we think about um, the anatomy of the pelvic floor, as you can see from the image that's on your screen, it is a very complex um, organ. It is a not talked about organ. Um, and when we exercise, it's probably the last thing that's on our mind but one in 10 women will experience some form of pelvic floor dysfunction. This trauma can be to the fascia, to the ligaments, to the pelvic floor muscles, the nerves that are supporting the neck of the bladder, which is our urethras, and also the muscles around our back passages. The good news is the majority of ladies will recover. So that's great. And it's not non-permanent, short lasting trauma that's happened. The area becomes bruised and then it recovers. However, evidence does show that this is much more prevalent in our older ladies and also our ladies that have an increased body mass index at the onset of their pregnancy. So this is a really important group. We are seeing our, uh, the older ladies becoming pregnant, which is you know, absolutely fine. We can care for them, but it's just really important that really before they even think about a pregnancy, they really understand what their pelvic floor is and how they can best care for it. Quite shockingly, um, the uh, CMO report in 2014, I appreciate, sorry, that's a little bit old, reported that 33% of women were still experiencing urinary incontinence um, six weeks postpartum and 10% of women were experiencing some form of fecal incontinence. And 10 years later, 20% of women were still reporting incontinence issues. That is 20% of all women living in silence with urinary dysfunction or anal dysfunction. Um, this isn't, this is morbidity, it's not mortality, but the numbers of women that this is affecting is 
enormous and you can never under, underestimate the physical impact this has on women and the impact on their mental health as well. When their life is changed and they can no longer partake in the activities that they loved before they were pregnant or before they reached the menopausal stages of their lives, you can imagine what an impact that that can have. The Birth Trauma Association also has a lot of work um, around this area and shows that um, many women report to their bladder and bowel problems. This obviously has an effect on their personal relationships, sexual relationships in, within a, with a partner in a, in a marriage. It produces very negative body images and produces very low self-esteem for this group of women. And as you can imagine, their mental health is then deteriorates. So how common is the prolonged injury? Well, up to 10% of women that have had a spontaneous vaginal birth will suffer from some form of long-term damage. That then increases, as you probably would expect when those ladies are having an instrumental birth. And I think for a lot of people, the forceps rate is very unexpectedly high. Um, but if you think what's going on, you've got a metal instrument going in and disrupting the muscles and the nerves and causing some significant traumas, which are either prolapses or um, long-term nerve damage. And the reality is that this is actually something very common. And I would expect that many of you listening are sitting here thinking, oh, that's me. Okay, so as you can see, that lady called that her pee pants pad, and um, I appreciate she's just an actress, but that type of advert, advert completely normalizes that if a woman goes to the gym and exercises using any form of weight or even body weight exercises, it is perfectly not normal that she might wet herself, but it is okay because she's got a pad on, so that's fine, you can wet yourself. But what message does this really send to um, the vast majority of women that, um, are, are, would access these type of things. It's not normal for your for your um, bladder to leak, but Tenna have produced scented pads to at least cover the smell, which again is not acceptable. Um, so when we're thinking about pelvic floor, what should we be thinking about? The pelvic floor doesn't often just empty itself when you're standing, the bladder, sorry, doesn't just empty itself when you're stood still. It's often on movement that your pelvic floor will fail you. And often, so that makes sense that we learn to train our pelvic floors while we're exercising. But it's really important that you learn to breathe because without learning how to breathe, which I know sounds crazy because we all breathe every day, but leaving to breathe, breathing correctly, otherwise we're putting excessive pressure onto our pelvic floors. It's really important to educate ladies. We need to empower them so they understand why, we're why I am teaching what I teach. Under, and so they get a good understanding of it and then have a commitment to it. It's a lifelong thing, training your pelvic floor. What is your pelvic floor? And I think a lot of people will believe that it is, a, it is a set of muscles that are sitting in the pelvis. And that is absolutely right. But if you can see from my diagram on your screen, it is about the connection between all of these areas. There are four key areas to having a good pelvic floor and a good core. So your diaphragm, that's our breathing muscles, our abdominal muscles, our tummy muscles, and the pelvic floor, and then the upper and lower back muscles. And to improve your or repair your pelvic floor, you must use all four of these. You can't take one of them as a dysfunction in itself, in isolation, they are all connected. The, the diaphragm is connected to your pelvic floor, and the pelvic floor is connected to your abdominal muscles. Having a baby is an absolute life-changing event and absolutely will affect the functions of these areas. A baby sometimes is cut through the abdomen, delivered through the abdominal wall in the cesarean section, is birthed through the um, parent, uh, pelvic floor. Uh, and so, as you can see, there is interruption to all of these things. But what is important to learn is they have to talk to each other. If your breathing's off, your diaphragm's a bit sticky, your pelvic floor isn't going to be controlled. One of the things that we've got available to us is something called the Squeezy app, which I'm sure many people have heard, and it's endorsed by the NHS, and it's an absolute great starting point. But it only teaches you static pelvic floor exercises. It teaches you how to locate your pelvic floor, and it teaches you how to do them. It suggests you do them every, three times a day for a, a prolonged period of time. Absolutely brilliant. I'm not knocking the Squeezy app at all. However, it teaches stood still in the kitchen, sat in your car, which is great, but actually then when you jump out of your car or you sneeze, that's when your pelvic floor is going to fail you. So those sudden onsets of pressure, intra-abdominal pressure, which is sneezing, coughing and laughing, 
so I wanted more. I just knew that this wasn't enough for women. Um, so they were still reporting, doing all their pelvic floor exercises, but still having these problems. And that's when I came across something called the Burrell Education. Um, and they offer this holistic core restore, which looks at the woman as an entirety. It looks at her whole body to understand what systems aren't working to enable that pelvic floor to become reactive. So there's the conscious movement of your pelvic floor where you, you actually clench and then the unconscious where your body predicts something's going to happen, like you're going to sneeze or you're going to laugh. So your pelvic floor, without you having to control it, activates for you, which as a, as a younger girl, it will do that for you. But then we have to retrain it how to do that later on in life. I can't credit them enough. They're absolutely what's kind of led me into where I've ended up. So how do I teach? As you can see, there's a lovely pelvis with some pelvic floor muscles on your screen there. Um, it's visual. I have to teach the women what's going on in her the women what's going on in their pelvises they have to learn to kegel and kegel well to understand what the pelvic floor is doing and understand the pelvis they have to think what's my coccyx what's my symphysis pubis how are the bones in my pelvis going to be connected how am i breathing and then you start to introduce tension so they use other slow movements um, using resistance bands and hand movements to kind of create that tension to increase that pressure and encourage the pelvic floor to continue its control whilst that pressure is happening. Feel the connection in the female body, see them happening, and then just start to add steps on and build up from simple exercises. Now, as I told you right at the beginning, I'm a mother of two, and one of them you're going to see in a second in the video, and I have a long time ago fallen in love with my seven-year postnatal body. So you are going to see me on screen now um, to demonstrate how you use basic exercise to train the core. <laughs> There's my little girl in the background there. And as you can see, she's squatting with me. Watch my abdomen, relaxed, I tense it. There come out my abdominal muscles. I'm drawing my pelvic up and I'm controlling my pelvic floor for the whole way through. You can see the concentration on my face. My eyes are closed and I'm concentrating on what I'm doing. Um, try not to be distracted by the little one copying me next to me. And this is how I teach my ladies. I don't, it's not a piece of paper you can read. They learn through watching what you're doing. So the abdomen is relaxed. Then you, as you take control of everything, you see the abdominal muscles flatten. You can't see the pelvic floor is rising up and I'm breathing. You can see the way my breath is blowing out. And this is one of the things that I teach within the classes that I offer. I offer this antenatally and postnatally and for any ladies really because we know that the ladies that are accessing gynecological services in the menopausal stages of their life that are having long-term continence issues from simple exercises like this can um, reduce the impact of a prolapse and certainly gain control of their pelvic floors. So is specialist training really needed? Do you really need to be a women's health therapist, a physiotherapist, a personal trainer that's got those additional qualifications? Well, absolutely, my answer to that is yes. And I would love it to be a format of something that comes within the NHS that you have your, you sign up, you become pregnant or you come for your preconceptional care and rolled out with that is your physical activity, preconceptionally, antenatally, and then postpartum. And there are other countries that already do this, particularly France, you get a six weeks physical activity course after your baby's born to help with your pelvic floor control, which is absolutely amazing. And I hope that we would one day look to mirror that. Why do I think specialist training? So you're going to see me in the gym and then next you're going to see someone acting with um, a normal activity, someone that's going into, so, and I, sorry, I'm, I'm waffling on here. I am guilty of this. After I had my first baby, I raced back to the gym. I went to an abs blast class and I think I left crying because I couldn't do anything. I had pain and I thought, what is going on with my body? And we all love Joe Wicks. We've all probably stood in our front rooms doing the Joe Wicks, particularly during the COVID and thought, brilliant, what a great way to get my shape back after I've had my baby. But actually you can be doing a lot more harm than good. So. You'll see in the top, the video that's about to play, normal box jump, if you've ever go to the gym, that's what you see. Can you imagine the pressure that that is putting on your abdomen and your pelvic floor? And then you can see my alternative, which I would teach someone that's coming into the gym after they've had their baby. Our next one, again, I think he's good. Gareth is going to burst into life and do some burpees. Again, that jumping, the two feet hitting the floor, the abdominal pressure, most women, 
would have had leakage at this point. And if you can see, I'm not putting the pressure out onto my abdomen quite so much with that one. Again, planks. Women love, well, lots of people love to plank. It's a love or hate sort of maneuver. But if you can see the tension in his abdomen, now I know he's got a t-shirt on, but my movements are what would be uh, encouraging pregnant or postnatal women to do. And then the final one, again, burst of energy. You see a jump squat and then you see me with a weight just um, controlling my pelvic floor through the whole way, getting exactly the same workout, but absolutely targeting those areas that I've actually feeling like I've got a weakness. And if you see the four exercises that were done by the male in the video, they are what will be in a, a usual gym class. And most women will just put up with it and go home with a, a soaking leggings or uh, a never return or hopefully acts as a specialist trainer. So yes, that's why it's so important. Okay, so I've hopefully some of you have seen this amazing announcement from NHS England. Um, hopefully we'll make it to Wales as well. They are going to pilot 14 pelvic health clinics, a one-stop shop for women that will have midwives, women health specialists, physiotherapists, obstetrics and gynecology will be involved and there'll be that referral on because there will be some ladies, however hard we work with them on a physical basis, they will need um, this, the support of a colorectal surgeons. Hopefully by services like this, referrals to those type of services will be massively reduced but um really really excited uh announcement i kind of gave an air high five when i read that one on the news and i do hope that they the 14 become hundreds of clinics that all women of all ages can access and then my final point is just this we all come in different shapes and sizes but it's not normal to for as to have urinary and anal incontinence after our, we have our children or later on in life. I think also we think if you never gave birth to a baby, it's not something that's going to affect you. The hormonal changes that happen when you go to your menopausal stage of life absolutely can lead to weaknesses in these areas. It is something we should be educating our young girls in school. Physical education for, for girls should incorporate knowing what their pelvic floor is to give them a, a healthy, happy life that we no longer hear women saying at after I've had my baby I don't go on a trampoline anymore because I don't have a baby I've stopped running I've stopped weightlifting because my pelvic my, my bladder just can't cope with it and the more we normalize things like that the more isolated women that are suffering in silence with these conditions so um, I have rattled through a presentation I hope at some point you've all thought oh where's my pelvic floor? And at least giving it a bit of a squeeze. Well, we, and even the men that are watching, I think we think it's a female disorder. Um, men have pelvic floors and it can lead to incontinence for them, sexual dysfunction and poor abdominal muscles, which is when you get that very distinct bowed abdomen where the abdominal muscles are separating. It's, it's again, that's thought to be normal as a male goes into adult life, uh, older life, sorry, but it's not. And so by doing specialist training it doesn't have to be in the gym in your home husband and wife partners anyone that wants to do it you can do it together so that is in a nutshell everything that I am thank you very much fabulous Abby that's fantastic I think that's given us lots to think about I, th I suspect there'll be some questions so audience if you want to have some questions for Abby you'll need to start putting them through now the reason I'm going to the side is because the questions come through on another screen so we have some questions at the time at the end for questions. So thank you very much for that starting us off, Abby. OK, we're going to move on now to Teresa. Um, and Teresa's got a background in medical recruitment. She studied midwifery and she was a fitness instructor. I'm surrounded by fitness. It's wonderful. I might be it might be catching. Fantastic. And um, and she first came across the EpiNo product in 2004 at the Royal College of Midwives Annual Conference. And having had three children, an episiotomy and reconstructive surgery, she looked at the little blue balloon, which you will see in a minute, in front of her and thought, if only this had been around when in 1987. So she's worked with EpiNo and is going to share some about something about it quite a bit about it i suspect she's um, works within the customer services as well coaching and advising women who are unsure about the product 
And she continues to be an advocate for women's health and making women's births experiences as safe and trauma-free as possible. Now, Teresa is going to be talking about this thing called EpiNo, um, which some of you will have heard of. Um, you might have even used it, and some of your women might have used it. And I'm really glad I was going to say to Teresa, can you show us this item and then explain a bit about how women can use it? Okay, so, so the Epino product is a German invention. Um, it was invented um, at the end of the 1990s by a Dr. Wilhelm Horkel in Germany, who's a gynecologist. And the, the, the product is actually designed more regarding prevention um, as opposed to working on trauma afterwards. So the Epino is designed, it's got a, it's a three-stage exercise program using the Epino as a tool. Um, <clears throat> the first two stages are done antenatally and then the third stage is done after you've had the baby to help try and regenerate the pelvic floor muscles. But the crucial part of it is really to work on the perineum to stretch the perineum. So initially what you do um, is the, the product's designed to be used during pregnancy. So it can be used at any point, but in the UK, we suggest that women wait until they're around about 32 weeks pregnant, their pregnancy is going perfectly normally, and then it would be suitable for them to start using this. And we like them to start using it as a pelvic floor exerciser, not to actually build strength and tone in the muscles, because obviously at that point in the pregnancy, that's not going to happen. It's actually to teach women how to raise their pelvic floors and then actually relax the pelvic floor muscles. So they will insert the balloon into the vagina. And <clears throat> as they have it in the vagina and they squeeze against, I'm not sure if you can see that very well. Can you see yeah, the dial? Can see, can see the dial. So as they squeeze the pelvic floors, the arrow will move up. Okay. But what we're really looking at here is them to relax their pelvic floor muscles. A lot of women have <clears throat> quite tight pelvic floor muscles, actually. Um, and so teaching a woman to downtrain or relax her pelvic floor muscles um, towards the end of the pregnancy can be really beneficial when they actually go into labor because relaxation of the pelvic floors, if a baby meets tight muscle, it's more difficult to get through. So relaxing the pelvic floor muscles at will is really helpful. So they will practice squeezing and then relaxing. So come, come the day, they will have learned how to actually proactively relax their pelvic floor muscles, which will be really helpful. Mm. So then once they get to 37 weeks pregnant, they, they can start using this as a tool to prepare their perineum. Now, um, I know in the midwifery profession, they discuss um, perineal massage and a lot of midwives think it's very beneficial, but it's actually quite difficult to do manual perineal massage, particularly, you know, you're 36, 37 weeks pregnant, mm. you have a bump, you've got to try and reach, mm. you've actually got to exert pressure and at the same time try and relax. Mm. So this is a tool that actually helps you to do that with yourself being able to relax at the same time. So the balloon, as you can see, it's the shape of a figure of eight. So you insert the balloon halfway. So if you can see that, it's half in and half out. So this part will be in the vagina and this part will be outside. Now, gradually, as you put air into the balloon, it will gradually stretch your perineum. Okay, so what we're looking for women to do is to gradually, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So over the period of three weeks, so from 37 weeks onwards, use it every day and just take it up a little bit more. And then at the end of the 20 minute session, obviously there's more details on the website mm. in terms of how to um, specifically use it. But at the end of the 20 minutes, they will then relax. They will do that relaxation exercise that they did 
with the up-down training, and then they can relax the balloon out. Now, the technology in this balloon is, if you noticed at the beginning, it was in the shape of a figure of eight. So the narrowest part sits on the perineum. As you inflate the balloon, the narrowest part becomes the widest part. So that is the part that is stretching the most, and that is sitting on the perineum. So we're not looking to stretch the vagina. We're literally looking to stretch the perineum. <clears throat> and then obviously at the end of each session, you will relax the balloon and then you can measure it. So there's a little measuring guide. I'm not sure. Oh, my word. That. Okay. <laughs> so each day you can see how your progress is doing. Now, the magic number is 10 centimeters because obviously that's the magic number that you can start to push when the cervix is dilated. But actually most women will probably get this up to maybe seven and a half, eight, eight and a half centimeters. What we're actually looking for them to do is to gradually stretch. So every day you're gradually stretching the perineum. So you're making it more elastic and it's that elasticity that helps prevent the tearing. So at the end of each, at the end of each session, um, obviously you measure the balloon and when you've had the baby and you've done your six weeks check, you can then use this as a tool to work your pelvic floor muscles. Now, again, this isn't a magic bullet. Going to somebody like Abby, going to a specialist pelvic health physiotherapist is the best route, obviously. But this is a tool that can assist you to regenerate, start getting your pelvic floor muscles working after you've had the baby. So the crucial part for Epino really is looking at prevention. So we're looking at preventing women from having trauma and injury. So actually they don't go on to develop problems later on with incontinence, with problems with their pelvic floors. And interestingly, Abby mentioned France um, in her talk. So in France, the um, French insurance companies pay for women's epinos. Oh, because okay. actually, from a financial perspective, it will save them a lot of money because the tool has been shown that it actually does work. I mean, there have been various studies done across the world that show the reduction in tearing um, particularly mm. third and fourth, but also first and second degree tears, which is why obviously um, the French insurance companies feel it's it's a, it's a brilliant tool for them to use mm. because you know at the end of the day they are there to provide a service, but they're also there to make money. So or save money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so that's, uh, that's the Epino I've been selling. I brought the Epino to the UK. I yeah. started selling it in 2005 after I found it. I'm extremely passionate about it. I know it works. Um, obviously anything to do with birth is unpredictable and, mm. you know, one woman can use it three times and have three different experiences with it. We know this. And that's why it's been very difficult to try and um, provide, you know, a randomised controlled study. Mm. I know that the, the, the midwifery profession would love that in order to be able to recommend it or talk about it. But it's almost an impossibility. Mm. Um, we have had two or three hospitals that have wanted to run a study, but it would require them basically... Um, managing every single woman within the, the group who's using Epino to make sure they're using it in exactly the same way, which has been quite difficult. Um, and also in Australia, they did run, they tried to run a randomised controlled study, um, but the control group who didn't get the Epinos then went and bought an Epino <laughs> in their local camp. So, um, and you may see that that, that study yeah. is floating around all over the place, but Unfortunately, that's what happened with that study. Mm. Um, so we've almost got to the point in the UK, we, we've carried out our own customer survey. Um, it's not a study, it is a customer questionnaire. Is that um, this one? So yeah, so the statistics, you know, they're not going to stand up in, in a journal because it is a customer survey. I mean, I would love it if a midwife would get involved with me to maybe we could 
custom, maybe Abby would be interested to try and mm. customize the way we ask the questions to actually get more out of the women. Mm. We have over a thousand women who have responded mm. to our survey now, which is a huge cohort of women. And, mm. you know, obviously they were proactively using the epinose. Mm. So like, obviously it's not a study, but nevertheless, it shows a 42% risk reduction in tearing of these mm. women. So it's my love, it's my passion. I um, know it makes a difference. And I'm just grateful that you've asked me on here today to talk about mm. it. I, I'm not a salesperson. I'm, I'm just someone who's passionate about trying mm. to help women. You know, similarly to Abby, it's not acceptable that Tanner Lady sells pads and normalizes incontinence. Mm. Not acceptable. I have to say, other pads are available. <laughs> of sure course. I, just to <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's a good point, actually, Teresa, because and, and Abby, because it's it's quite a big market. And and I'm always and when you're showing the statistics that Abby showed and we're talking about, you realize what a good market it is. And you know, it becomes quite sales led in that way i mean i think if i can say to the audience if you're interested in the epino have a look at the website that's on the resources sheet and there is a whole lot of information from women who've tried out the epino and and some of whom loved it a couple said it was really difficult because you got a bump to get round <laughs> and 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 i suppose one of the things you were talking about it, you know, getting used to using the pelvic floor. And I was thinking one of the things it's like massaging perineans. It gets someone used to being quite open about trying these things and getting to know their body better and what works. So all of these things will help. No, not yeah. everybody will want to do perineal massage. No. Not everybody will want to use an epine. Some women don't even, they, they don't want to prepare in that way. And that's absolutely fine. But for the women who decide, actually, I'd like to try and do something to prevent tearing. I don't want to tear when I give birth. You know, it is there and it is available. Um, and, you know, if there are midwives out there watching who would be interested in me coming, I mean, that was part of my job before COVID hit. I used to go to hospitals and give training sessions on the product um, and more information. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm available anytime, any <laughs> hospital, anywhere. Fabulous. That's all on the resources sheet as well. And, and that, that's really that's really helpful, Trees. I mean, I think I found looking through the web page very interesting um, because I'd, I'd heard about this some time ago, actually, from someone who was looking at it with a research head. And you're, it's quite tr true that we like, well, we're in, we, I think midwives are in a bit of a conflict because I think we like, RCTs, randomized controlled trials, because they're quite clear generally that it either proves or doesn't prove. But on the other hand, we like qualitative stuff that tells us what works for women and what women like and what midwives can work with. So we're, we're a bit conflicted about that. But thank you so much to Teresa and to Abby for getting us on this little route. It's a huge subject. So we're only sort of scratching the surface but we've already had a couple of questions through um which is lovely coming through so thank you to those of you who've asked questions and the first question is from joe d'augustin hi joe um she's there every wednesday so it's lovely to see you there um abby this is to you your passion and knowledge is wonderful to see thank you for working on this important issue question what is it about our physiology that means we need to attend to our pelvic floor in this way to avoid dis dysfunction. That's a good one. <laughs> it is a good, that is a good question, actually. And I'll try to sort of answer that succinctly. Um, I think it's because it's a muscle. A basic answer to that is, is the muscle. If you think about a bicep, to, to, for, to increase the size of our bicep, we lengthen it and shorten it and our biceps then become stronger. And our pelvic floor is exactly the same. So if you squat and the, the pelvic floor is stretched, then you're strengthening those muscles. The same with the, with the lunge or any of those type of things. I think because we, we don't think about it because it's internal. 
Um, but it is if you didn't exercise, if you didn't, um, if you were unable to walk, then you would have muscle wastage in your legs. If you were unable to move your arm, you would see muscle waste, wastage. And if you have been a, an avid gym goer and you stop, your muscle goes and the pelvic floor is no different. So it's not really about a difference in makeup of physiology. It's just a hidden muscle that needs exercising. And it's so big. It's an absolute hammock that is holding everything inside and has an enormous amount of pressure applied to it on a daily basis. Even rolling over in your sleep, your pelvic floor needs to activate to enable you to do that. Um, so I hope that answers that question for you. I think that's brilliant. I'm just, you just made me when you said the ha hammock the hammock of the pelvic floor I thought that a teacher once um, was teaching me and was, called it the haddock <laughs> just to lighten it a little okay Abby uh, J Jane wants to know Abby what course in pelvic health are you going to do okay I'm going to do a, a staged approach to um, a master's in pelvic pelvic health so it will enable me to perform abdominal vaginal and rectal examinations insert okay. uh, pessary rings to um, uh, colorectal scanning to look at women that have suffered unfortunately third and fourth degree tears to guide them through for their next pregnancies and to support women that have got vaginal or and prolapses so um I will then hopefully then incorporate that into the service that we do have a, a women's health, a perinatal, perineal, sorry, service in Cardiff, but um, it is uh, run by a, a lone obstetrician who is great, but one person can't do it all. Mm. So um, we'd like to move it off the hospital setting and be able to offer a community, community for mm. all across all ages. Because um, the, the pessaries, for instance, are for the older ladies, but for a lady that has suffered um, significant perineal damage during her pregnancy, knowing then how to help that repair in its best possible way, reduce the amount of scar tissue that builds up and then think about how she's going to birth her, any subsequent baby she may choose to have, whether that's vaginally or via cesarean section, is to give them that, that whole service that offers that holistic approach to women's health. Mm, that's grand. Okay. I mean, I was just wondering uh, if you... I don't know if there was one thing I'll ask Teresa this if there was one thing you could do to improve pelvic floor health what would you advise well to be honest I would start educating girls in primary school I mean my daughter primary school wow 100% my, my daughter wow. is 22 now obviously she um all my children have lived with epino they know <laughs> um but so my daughter, I, I've been talking to my daughter about her pelvic floor and exercising her pelvic floor, her posture, um, and how important the pelvic floor is in, in primary school. Absolutely. You know, it's, an ex, it, it's, a, it's a group of muscles that actually needs exercising on a regular basis. And for women particularly, I know obviously men as well, but, you know, the, the hormonal changes that happen to women all the way through their life, obviously not, you know, pregnancy, obviously, but also, I mean, I'm menopausal age now. And, you know, the, the muscle atrophy that comes, you know, with the reduction of estrogen, you know, it's all through our lives. And it mm. is so important that you actually engage your pelvic floor muscles on a regular basis. Mm. I would add to that as well is one of the things that you hear people say is that people that maybe their child has a weak bladder haven't got a weak bladder it's the pelvic floor muscles and um the same as Teresa I've, I don't have epino laying around my house but I have pelvises that come apart so the kids will often use them as kind of a jigsaw to put them back together so they can't avoid <laughs> knowing what their pelvic floor does um but it does it's not as common in young girls but it it does happen oh, okay. um, and you can have very young youngsters going through all sorts of investigation through urology and everything and it is the pelvic floor and wow. um, some of the children that have maybe got and more in COVID with anxiety related issues if they then are having some incontinence or bedwetting later on um, it can stem from the pelvic floor muscles. Wow mm. I mean that's a really useful thing for for people to know actually thank you for that both of you that's fantastic. Okay, I've got another question from Lucy McNamara. 
uh, who says, where do you do your training to teach pelvic floor exercises, postnatal exercise, Abigail? And where, where can we as professionals signpost women to good pelvic floor exercise in the postnatal period? Uh, go, uh, there's lots of providers, like we said with Tenor, there are lots of providers, but I will tell you what my experience is. Go onto the Burrell Education and type find a coach and they'll put the detail. You'll see my face pop up on the website. We have to be licensed. So they're licensed practitioners. Some of them will be physios, some of them will be midwives, some of them will be personal trainers. But I do my training in the middle of the gym and I get funny looks and people go, what's she doing? And they don't probably look like they're doing the most intensive exercise, but to have women then contact me saying, I've never ate as much as when I do your classes <laughs> or the best compliment is I sneeze and I didn't, my bladder did its job, wow. my pelvic floor did its job. And, and, you know, as midwives, we like compliments like that anyway, about mm. those kind of things. But yes, um, so in the middle of the gym, I don't hide the ladies away. Um, I don't think we should. And it's, uh, and to get more people involved, like when the antenatal classes are going, unfortunately with the gyms, the way they are at the moment, I don't have many antenatal women in the gym, but we, we, we have fun. And that's one of the best ways of getting other people involved. There's always going to be someone in the gym that's looking on thinking, I think I need that, or oh, I'm thinking of having a baby. And there'll always be someone when I'm packing all the equipment away that will come and ch chat mm. to me. So yeah, so in the middle of the gym, I take over the gym floor. Yeah, and can it sounds, yeah. Can I just add something in there? Yes, of course. Um, so so <clears throat> recently, uh, in the last sort of 18 months to two years, um, I've had a lot of interest from the um, pelvic obstetric and gynecological physiotherapists. So they have actually... Um, it seems they are doing a lot more in terms of antenatal um, classes. Now, whether they're doing it, um, they're not doing it on the NHS. They're obviously doing it privately. But these POGPs are amazing, amazing women. Um, and so if somebody is, is looking, you know, if, if they've if not, if, if they've just got, you know, they, they just want to do exercise great to get a personal trainer but these peer if they've got any problems or issues with incontinence and they they can't get the help that they're looking for say from their gp you know because most gps will go oh do your pelvic floors well that's great but if they don't know how to do their pelvic floors it's mm. not very helpful and they don't go back but the pogps um really i think are starting to work as well more with the mm. with their midwifery departments because it's a joined up thing you know it's not mm. it, it's not just for midwives to have the responsibility of this I don't think you know it's uh it, it's definitely um you know reaching out to other services and the POGPs uh, and you can find them you can go POGP into Google and then you'll you'll get a list of of all the POGPs in your area you know put your postcode mm. in and there's a directory there and you'll find them but the, these these people are really in tune with women who are having problems basically mm. even minor problems most women nobody wants to actually even have a dribble let alone no the other issues <laughs> so, and that dribble can then lead to to bigger things if it's not addressed and yeah. uh, so the pogps are, are an area where i i think midwives could definitely maybe steer ladies too who Absolutely. are having difficulties yeah I mean I think it, it makes me feel because I remember as a student midwife and as a junior midwife we used to do this with women in that we used to teach pelvic floor exercise in antenatal classes and then it, I mean it wasn't as tuned as going to a gym but there's no reason why midwives can't help women because you you might have a specialist midwife in your midst but you may not and you need to kind of maybe get someone who's interested I mean if you have someone like Abby in your locality yeah I think you the know you can stretch though aren't they they yeah. can so much that it's yeah. very and it's a, it is an expectation that we talk about it to ladies in pregnancy but probably if you did a poll amongst midwives and this isn't a criticism they would say are you doing your pelvic floor exercises but if a lady said no how do I do it 
the, the descriptions that are given would be um, probably far ranging, but that's because it, it's maybe not covered in it. And, and there's much more educational needs. I remember going to listen to some dissertation presentations with the University of Cardiff and one of the students, which at the time I thought this is very strange. Um, she gave us those, those big knickers, the incontinence knickers, and we had to sit in them. And I was very uncomfortable <laughs> by the end of it, but her presentation was all about pelvic floor dysfunction. And I realized by the end of it, this is why she's made me sit in this because I hadn't really given it much thought. And I'm talking like 10, 15 years ago now, but um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a very novel way to do a dissertation presentation. <laughs> yeah, very good. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, well, those of you out there who are teachers and students take this on board because actually if we all have to be fitter and use exercise to get our, our core stability right and get all our exercises going and all our pelvic floors then it will be easier to teach our women and our kids as well so I mean that's that's a good thing to be pulling out thank you for that I've got um da -da 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 -da. Jenny hi Jenny uh, Jenny Hall says, is there any evidence of the impact of the use of the product on postnatal pelvic floor? I think that must mean the epinode. Thank you, Jenny. Good question. Well, the, the, the impact is that if there's a reduction in injury, then obviously there's going to be less problems postpartum. So, you know, yes, there is. Um, and uh, if she if you'd like to have a look at the clinical studies, it will it will give you the information but yes certainly if if a woman has no trauma she's going to recover more quickly than you know mm. somebody even if you've got a you know a, well I say even no no tear is comfortable let's be honest even a first degree so um it's uh, yeah there is there it, it's it's kind of a knock-on effect you know as I say in, as I said in the beginning prevention better than cure so um yes it does show that actually on that issue I, I i went when i was on the website do you have the the kind of the studies i couldn't see them but it yes, might be because all, i was looking in the wrong place so they're all so if you if you go onto the website and go onto clinical trials then if you if you carry on going down there are links to all the trials oh, okay done okay by the company in germany so yeah everything's there okay um for you I'll to jot see. that down okay well that's our homework to get on with that one now I've got well, I you're going to say pelvic floor <laughs> no the pelvic floor that goes without that goes without saying we have I'm I'm busy doing my pelvic floors purely my pelvic floors not my pilates to get all the other bits going but I, I take it on board I'm listening Abby I am listening um, and Sarah Spencer says, question for Teresa, what proportion of pregnant women get introduced to EpiNo and other, other therapies? Are there any management objections to be overcome to showing a product? Well, I think this is this is the kind of whole issue in terms of the randomized controlled studies, because midwives, um, <clears throat> in terms of their code of practice, aren't allowed to recommend something um, but I think we've almost got to the point the tipping point really now because um, obviously EpiNo is available it's been available in the UK for 15 years now and more women so it, I, it, interestingly a lot of the emails I get from midwives are oh I've had so many women asking me about your products I felt it was time I rang you or emailed you to get more information so you know we send out samples and leaflets and and as i say i would go and visit and have a chat about the product so yeah it's getting to the it's getting the point um you know it i think the thing is it's all about choice so if a woman goes to a midwife and says right i'm choosing to use an epino will you support me mm. there's no problem with her doing that whatsoever but she and a lot of midwives do actually discuss epino in their antenatal classes now, which is how it's definitely changed, particularly, I would say, in the last five years. And even more in the last two to three years with Instagram, you know, things can go viral in, mm. in days, can't they? So it's, it's, almost, it's almost at the point now where women are using it anyway. So the midwives really need to, 
to know about it. Not necessarily to say, oh, everyone should use a, an EpiNote because it's not suitable for everyone. Mm. But in terms of if you're looking to do perineal massage and you're discussing that, it's not, you know, unthinkable for them to say, actually, there is a tool that you can use if you want to. There's the website. It's your choice. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not for the midwife to to say you have to do this. It's no, no, no. For them to support the woman if she chooses to, to use one. That's fabulous. Thank you very much. Now. We've come to the end of our time. I did say, I said to both my lovely speakers, that this hour always whizzes by like that. And, and I want to say a big thank you to Teresa and to Abby for being so fantastic and giving us a lot of information in a very short time. And I'd like to thank the audience for the fantastic questions and the kind of interaction that we've had. I hope you found it useful. I know that both... And Abby's available and, and Teresa on her website. We've got all those that bits of information on the resource sheet. So do access that if you'd like to. Um, and we'll see you next week. We've got a bit, of, a bit more of a, uh, an interesting week next week. I'm not going to tell you the topic. You're going to find out when, when it comes around at some point. But in the meantime, thank you to our speakers. Um, and thank you to you for joining us. And we'll see you next week. And take care. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk. This episode was edited and produced by Catherine Stewart of the Narrowcast Media Group.